Live from Germantown, Wisconsin, this is The Price is Right. And here's your host, Rod Rooney. Well, hello, Life Church. How are you doing this evening? How are you doing this evening? Yeah, come on, there you go. Welcome to The Price is Right. I'm your host, Rod Rooney, and frankly, this is probably the best show in the world, so please enjoy. Why don't we go ahead and get started? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get four contestants to come up to the front here, so why waste any time? Mr. Announcer, why don't you go ahead and tell us what four contestants will be coming up front? Our first contestant... Val, Ron, come on down. Come on up front here. She is excited. Come on, right up here. Stand on this X right here. High five. All right, Val. And our second contestant tonight, Linda Wilkie. Come on down. Linda, Linda, Linda. All right, come on up right here, Linda. Good to have you tonight. And our third contestant tonight, Justin Voison. Come on down. Justin Voison. He's a runner. Come on down, Justin. You look excited, Justin. High five, brother. If you could stand right there for us. And our fourth contestant. You cut me off there, Rod. Here's our last contestant, Drew Weiler. Come on down. Drew. Drew, come on down. High five there, buddy. All right, I have one question for you guys. Are you ready to play? You sound excited. All right, here is how this game works. There's going to be an item up for bid. And frankly, all you have to do is bid on this item. Now, round up to the nearest dollar. We don't want to do cents or anything like that. And honestly, if you don't know how to play this game, you probably need to take more sick days, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So here we go. Why don't we come on out with our first item? Noel, show us what that is. Mr. Announcer, why don't you tell us what this is? This is a camouflage Snuggie. The Snuggie is the super soft blanket that has sleeves. It does not slip and slide like a regular blanket, so it keeps you warm from head to toe while allowing complete freedom of movement. Snuggie, the blanket that has sleeves. Boy, that Snuggie looks nice, especially on this girl. All right, here we go. Why don't we go ahead over to our first contestant, Val. Val, why don't you tell us what your bid is on this? Remember, round to the nearest dollar. $20. $20. Okay. Linda, what is your bid? $24. $24. Here we go, Justin. $1. $1. This man's played the game before. And Drew. $15. $15. Now, remember, if you went over, that doesn't count. So here we go. The actual retail price is... 1488. We have a winner with one dollar right here, Justin. Thank you guys for playing. You can go ahead and have a seat. Justin, stay on up here with us. Wow, are you excited? Excited. I like that snuggie. Are you sure about that? I'm gonna be using that tonight. You know, yeah, you're going home with that. And you know, hunting season's coming up. You can put that on in the stand. Wouldn't see a thing. You could get lost out there. All right. You know what, Justin? Why don't you turn around and see what's behind this screen? A new car! 
This brand new model car is fully loaded and built with elegance and precision. It is an exact replica of the 2009 Nissan GTR. The interior is completely accurate right down to the cup holders. All this can be yours if the price is right. Now, Justin, I know your heart is pounding right now. This is a brand new car we're talking about. So let me tell you how this game works. It's very, 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 very simple. All I'm going to do is give you three prices. If you guess the correct price, you are going to be going home with a new car, my friend. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, the first price is $14.99. The second price is $19.99. And the third price is $24.99. Remember, you can get help from the audience, whoever wants to yell out, $14.99, $19.99, or $24.99. Wow, Justin is going with $19.99. Mr. Announcer, does he have a new car on his hands? The actual real surprise is $19.99. He does. A brand new car. Check this out. Justin, you're going, ahead. you're going home with Dub City, my friend. Dub City. Look at the wheels on that thing. Hey, be careful driving and have a good time. Thank you guys for joining us on The Price is Right. Again, I'm your host, Rod Rooney, signing off. And remember, please get your pets spayed and neutered. Thank you and God bless. You know, these past few weeks, I've been asking you to pray for the staff, but hearing you out here, I don't know who was yelling over here, but you guys are like, wow, man, you like the price of right or church or something. And that car, did you like the car deal? That was hilarious. Yeah, that was good times. We really were going to do a car, but I shot it down. So sorry. No, I'm just teasing. Well, the price is right. Uh, thanks for being here this weekend. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn to a passage of scripture we're going to look at, we're going to be looking at several, but one I'm going to kind of land on tonight is uh, 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter number uh, 1. And I'm going to get there in just a few minutes. When we're talking about the price is right, we as, as people tend to have, uh, we have a tendency to try to put a price on everything. Have you ever noticed that, how we, we size people up by value or perceived value? Um, when, you're, uh, when you're single, you're sizing up the opposite sex, right? Let's just be really honest. And I've got a couple of singles that are going, yep, mm-hmm. And when you get married, then, then all of a sudden it becomes about, okay, we need to get a house or, or we want to buy a car or we want and, and to, and as you go along, if you're not careful, you just kind of begin to size people up and, 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 you know, by the house that they live in or the kind of furniture that they have or whatever it may be. And then you have kids and you begin to kind of value people on their parenting skills or the lack thereof. I was at soccer matches all day today at Cole's uh, soccer uh, tournament uh, in Milwaukee with, with my youngest, and uh, yeah, definitely some parenting skills needed there. But, but, but you see that, right, and you, and you kind of pick up some perceived things, and then, and, and then as a business person, it's easy to kind of uh, size people up based on what they do or the name of their job or, or, uh, or, or the growth or the P&L or whatever, whatever it may be. And, and, and the deal is we're all trying to put this price is right on everyone's head. We're trying to figure this out. Have you ever wondered where we get that from? 
where that desire, I mean, everybody does this. We kind of size people up based upon how, well, how they dress or how they talk or, or where they're from or what we think about them. And we kind of have this value based upon them and how much we're going to interact or do we want to be friends with them or do we not want to be friends with them. Uh, the, the interesting thing is, is that we actually get that. It's kind of a God trait, really, when you look at it in Scripture. And I'm going to show you that tonight. That God, the creator, created you and I in his image. The Bible says that the only thing that bears the image of God on this planet is humanity. So we were made in his likeness, and in his likeness we're made. And so there are certain traits that we have that are very much God-like. Now understand, now the idea to size people up and to kind of have prejudicial ideas, that's more of a perversion and a, and a response of sin in, in, that's just in the world that we live in. But that whole idea of things having perceived value and based upon their value of how we interact and what we do with those things are actually pretty biblical. Um, let, let, me, let me explain it like this. First of all, the Bible says that we're all born into this thing called sin. That we didn't have a choice. That we didn't have an option. That it's just part of the fall of man. We see it played out in, in Genesis chapter, uh, in chapter number 2 and chapter number 3 where, where there is, uh, there's Adam and Eve commit the first sin. And in doing so, uh, we're all kind of now born into this sin nature. And we're all part of this sin nature and this fallen nature. And so basically the result of sin is that life is going to be hard and it's, go- it's not going to be easy. And uh, matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That for everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody that has not sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your sweet grandmother has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I know, say it ain't so, Joe, but I'm telling you, it is. Your sweet children have this this. this this uh, spiritual genetic DNA of, of sin that's, that's in their predisposition, and they're sweet as they can be, but give them a few years and, and you'll really, you'll, you'll see it come out, right? I mean, it, it's this thing called sin, and we all deal with it. We all deal with it. That's the reason why it's always surprised me in church where you've got a, uh, a pastor or a preacher that tries to act like that they are above this thing. Can I just tell you, every one of us have junk that we deal with. None of us are righteous, the Bible says, no, not one. Every one of us has struggles that we face and temptations that we deal with. And, and although they may not be disqualifying sins, they may not be sins that would keep us, um, how do you say this, from ministering. They're not some gross immorality or injustice in our life, but we still deal with these issues of the heart. We still wrestle with this thing called the flesh. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we have to understand that, first of all, we all got here. Everybody's equal. The Bible says that, it, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The second thing is that there's a price, though, for our sins. That our sin is not just, well, we've got a sin thing, so what do we do with it? Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 19 through 23. I'm actually going to read it. If you want to turn there, you can. But uh, I want to walk this through because this talks about this. Paul says, I put this into human terms because you're weak in your natural self. So we just said, we're all, we're all weak. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity... And ever-increasing wickedness, so now you offer them in slavery to righteousness, which leads to holiness. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap at that time from those things that you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Sin results in death. Verse 22, but now you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves unto God. And the benefit 
that, it, that leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul, again, is talking here to the church in Rome, to the church in Rome and to Christians that are in Rome. And so there's an understanding that they've already given their hearts and lives to Jesus and that their sin has been paid for and they get that. But Paul's reminding them that there's a price for sin, that sin will cost you something. Verses 19 through 20 and 21, basically it says, when you were in sin and, and you did whatever you wanted to do, how'd that work out for you? What benefit is that? And again, I would ask the same question of us today, 2,000 years later. You know, I, I, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, I don't want to give my life to Christ, or I don't want to surrender my life to Christ, or I don't want to do the church thing, or whatever. And, and, and I say, well, tell me how the sin thing's working out for you. I mean, t- tell me... How, tell, me, tell me about your, your, how much sleep you get at night. How much peace do you have internally? How much joy and satisfaction do you have in your relationships? Tell me about your anxiety levels. Tell me about your, your fear. Tell me about, because see, here's the reality. It's we all clean up real well. We all can wa- brush our teeth and wash our hair and, and comb it and, and, and put on deodorant and cologne and perfume and, and put on a, a fresh set of clothes. And we can all look like everything's really, really good on the outside. Can't we? I mean, come on. That's just us. We can all put on the dog, as we'd say in the South. We can all just, you know, we, 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 can, we, can, we can stroll and roll with the best of them. But at the end of the day, when you're laying on your bed at night and your face is pointed towards the ceiling and you can't sleep, what are the things that are coming across your mind? I mean, what, are, are you proud of the, the business transactions? Are you proud of the personal relationships that you have? Or are, are, are you, you, you proud of the choices that you've made? Or are you proud of where you are in life? And I'm not asking you how do people perceive you. That's a totally different deal. Reputation and reality are two different things. But how do you feel about you? That's what Paul's saying here. How'd that work out for you? When you, were, when you could do anything you wanted to do, because that's what I hear from people sometimes. Oh, man, if I give my life to God, bro, I just can't do everything I want to do. I'm just kind of, I'm a slave to God. And it's just so fun. And, oh, and I'm going, well, tell me how the sin thing's working out for you. Tell me how's it working out for you if you're in a marriage and you really don't know if your marital partner is really staying true to you. When 70% of marriages in America deal with affairs, not divorce, but affairs. Is that working out well for you? Oh, what about the things you have to do for your job that you don't feel comfortable doing, that you don't want to tell anybody? How's that working out for you? What about your kids? What about Johnny? And what about Susie? Are they really turning into the young men and women of God of wholesome, pure character that you really desired? Or or do you find yourself going, well, you know, they're just like the other kids, which is code for... This parenting thing is hard, and I have no clue what I'm doing. And at the end of the day, I'm just hoping that they, when they turn 16, that they're not hell on wheels. That's what Paul's saying here. I know I added a few more words, but that's the essence of what he's saying. And he says, because the benefit, verse 22, the benefit of, of being free of sin is a life of holiness and purity that leads to peace, that leads to joy, that ultimately leads to eternity. And he says, here's the deal. When you are a slave unto God or a slave unto righteousness, however, whatever the translation that you're reading says, 
that really you're putting healthy parameters in your life that actually allow you to have the freedom that you want. And I can see some of you right now going, no, 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 you're trying to put rules on it. So you're trying to put this thing, and here, here comes the hammer, baby. What's like this? Beautiful fall night last night. Uh, we went out, did the s'mores thing. We had a little fire pit in the backyard, and we're telling scary stories and all that kind of stuff and had fun and just sat out there by the fire. And, and, and we you know, did the whole fire thing, and we're doing all of this. And, and I love like that whole like, natural fire. and just I can just sit for it. It's just relaxing to me. And I'm just sitting there, maxing, relaxing, and we're just doing the family time and all of that. And, and, but what's nice about that fire is that it's contained, it's got a nice little firewall around it. It's got, I got this little, this uh, ground up, you know, gravel type material that's all around it. And so there's, there's, even though there are, are trees around us, there's no way for that to get out. And I've got it contained and it's controlled and it's great. But if that fire ever gets out of control, it's destructive. Completely destructive. Like this past week, I was, I was on my way to somewhere. I was going to go pick something up, and I'm motoring down to Mequon, and I'm going to hit the, the Starbucks at Port Washington. And I hadn't been there in months, apparently, and all of a sudden, the building is gone. My Starbucks is gone. My cinnamon, skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees is nowhere to be found. And so I asked somebody in a neighboring shop, what happened to this building? Like, I mean, there were some major businesses there. And they said lightning struck in June, and it caught the building on fire. Well, the same thing that was a great family moment for me last night was the same thing that destroyed dozens of jobs, put a lot of people out of work, put some other people back to work, I guess, because of the construction of it, and delayed a lot of business and really will show up on some, on some spreadsheets for some businesses on the P&L. Why? Because fire, if it's contained, if fire is put in the proper environment, is a wonderful thing. But outside, without restraints, without some order, is destructive. The same way in our life, free moral choice is a wonderful thing that God gives us. That We can do anything that we want to do. We can do anything, but we can't do everything. But at the end of the day, if it's not bridled and tempered with the word of God, because the creator gives you and I, the creation, the best way to live in harmony with him. And in, and in essence, the best way to live life. Without that, it's like a fire that's destructive. Does that make sense? And so at the end of the day, Paul says, there's the benefit of being free from sin. You sleep at night. You have a clear conscience. Have a great relationship with your family. You're not worried about what you said to this person or that person or what lie you've got to get out of. And you're not worried about the the, the lack of of scruples and business deals or integrity because you walk pure and holy before God. Not that you're perfect, but that you're clean from sin. That you are, you're in essence, that that your price for your sin has been paid. Because he says in verse 23 that sin will always cost you death. You understand that, don't you? It's going to cost you something. I mean, all this hard living, crazy times... Right, drinking, partying, skirt chasing, cocaine, snorting lifestyle, it's going to cost you something more than just dollars and cents. Paul says at the end of the day, it's going to cost you death. And he says, but God's alternative gives you life. And when you look at it from that perspective, God doesn't look so much like a cosmic killjoy, does he? Because all of a sudden you go, hey, my lifestyle is going to lead to death, but what God wants to give me leads to life. He's not trying to destroy me like a fire. He's trying to 
bless me. He's not trying to take from me. He's actually trying to help me. He's not trying to pull me down. He's actually trying to lift me up. And the problem that gets in the way is my own stinking thinking, right? It's my own flesh. It's what's between my two ears. It's my own perception. Because somewhere I feel like, well, I must be God and I've got to figure this whole thing out. And no, Paul says it's just real simple. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this, that you are not your own, Paul says to the church in Corinth, that you've been bought at a price. Wow, the salvation thing isn't free. So let me bottom line this for you thus far on this whole God thing. First of all, God is holy, which means there is no sin in him. Secondly, God's desire is relationship. That's all God wants from you. God doesn't want your money. God's not trying to try dominate your life with rules and regulations. God wants a relationship. He's not looking for a law. He's looking for, to give you grace. He's not looking to destroy you. He's looking to bless you. And so God wants a relationship the way a parent would to a child. And the thing that separates that relationship is a thing called sin. Again, we've talked about that. But God makes a way. I love that verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. That so, that word so means without restraint or without conditions. Do you know what's so intoxicating about the love of God? It's not church. That's not always the best part of it. It's not the, the, the spiritual disciplines that can lead to life. It's the fact that you and I as the creation have a need for unconditional love. I don't know if you've ever felt like this before, but you sit there sometimes and you think to yourself, am I really on the right path? You look at your spouse and you go, do they really love me? I mean, what if I did this, 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 and this? Would they really, till death do us part? My kids. What if I quit being a walking ATM machine? What would happen then? Sometimes this world can just feel like it's you and you're on your, own, on, on your lonesome. I don't care where you are in God. I don't care if you pastor a church. There are moments where you just feel like it's you. And in that moment, you begin to say, where, what, how? That's why I love that verse. God so loves you. God so loves me without condition, without restraint. See, I don't think we even quite get it. If you were to curse God and throw everything you could at him, he would still love you. If you were to turn your back and never follow him, he still loves you. If you pulled his beard and you spat his face and, and you, 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 you whipped him to a bloody pulp the way they did Jesus, he still loves you. If you did that to me, it'd be on like Donkey Kong. I mean, we would pull a full can out, right? And you would too. Don't look so sanctimonious at me like that. But you're the pastor. No, the pastor thing would be over. It would be downtown Judy Brown. But God, and I don't get it. I don't understand it, but that's what his word says. And so Jesus comes in and he makes the difference between us and our best days and what our sin says has to be paid in order to be in right relationship with God.
If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. God just wants a relationship with you. So God, who's rich in mercy and his love, with this unconditional love says, I'll pay the price. And that's where we wind up tonight. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18, 19, 20, and 21. I'm going to read this from the message translation. You can follow along. But it just kind of, what it does, it just kind of puts it all together. Because sometimes some of these writings can go back and forth, kind of a juxtaposition. And it kind of gets to be muddied. You have to really keep up with it. It feels like you're reading Shakespeare. But at the end of it, this kind of puts it all in one clean, linear thought, that how we think in, in our Western culture. He says this, Your life is a journey, and you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It cost God plenty to get you out of the dead-end, empty-headed life that you grew up in. He paid it with Christ's sacred blood. He died, Christ, like an unblemished sacrificial lamb, which again is in reference to the Old Testament, how sins were brought forth every year through sacrificial lamb offerings. And this was no afterthought. This wasn't just something that God came up with. Even though it's only, it, it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge for the last 2,000 years. God always knew what he was going to do and do this for you. I love that phrase. God always knew he was going to do this for you. Put, just put your name there. God always knew he was going to do this for Aaron. There's power in that. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah, Jesus, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust in God because of Jesus. That's why you trust in him. That you know that you have a future in God. Verse 18, it says that he paid the price. It's that word redeemed that the King James Version used. It means he paid the price. That our sin, even though we were born into it and we didn't choose it, it still demanded a price. And in the Old Testament, they would take a, a lamb that was unblemished, that's what the reference is to there, and they would take that lamb and they would sacrifice it, each family would, every single year. And, but all it did was it took your sins and it only atoned or it only paid for your sins for one year. So it literally just kind of pushed the account forward. It would be kind of like if somebody said, hey, for the next year, you don't have to pay your bills just for one year, but the bills are still there. You still owe, but you don't have to pay it right now. It's kind of like if you have like an interest, uh, you know, like a, like a no payment, no interest deal when you go to Steinhoffels to buy a living room furniture, right? And they basically say, you, you know, for one year, you don't have to make any payments or whatever, but it's still there. You just don't have to pay it right now. And so all that would happen in the Old Testament is that the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, according to the Old Testament law, would just simply take your sins and move it forward. But when Jesus came, he paid the price, period. That's why the Bible says that when Jesus Christ died for our sins, that the temple, which is where the sacrifice was made, was torn from the top to the bottom. See, if man would have torn it, he would have torn it from the bottom to the top. Because of, just because of the structural size of it. But when God did it, he rent basically the, the, that holy of holies that separated God from man. And he did away with that so that we could directly go, Paul says, to the throne of grace that we can obtain mercy at any time, at any day, at any hour. Why? Because God, through Jesus' blood, is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, though our sins be as scarlet, his blood washes them as white as snow. We in Wisconsin know a little bit about snow, don't we? Verse 18 says we're redeemed. He paid the price. Done. Done. No more like going to Steinhoffel's and just having to go one more year further for the furniture. It's paid for. It'd be like somebody, you getting home and on Monday you go into the mailbox and you having a, your mortgage company sending you a thing and stamped paid in full and you who paid this? I didn't pay this. I have no ability to pay this. There's no way in a gazillion years I could pay this. It may take me 30 years to pay this. This, this is so insurmountable. And you call and they said, yes, sir, it's been paid. It's all been paid for. Much bigger deal, but the same type of principle. God paid the price. And how did he pay the price? Verse 19 said the cost was the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus came, lived a sinless life. The Bible says he was tempted and tried in every way that you and I are yet without sin. And I think we get that theologically, and I think we get that mentally, but I don't know that we necessarily always get that really. Everything. Yeah, what you're thinking about right now, did he, yeah, that and that and that and what you're thinking about and what you're thinking about and right now, that, without sin. And he had to be God, but he had to be man. Because if he was just God, he would have done something that, that he, but he had to be this born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, this 100% God, 100% man at the same time, these two become one. The Bible says that Jesus Christ lived this life. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record the life of Christ. And he paid it. Why? Verse 21 says, so that we can have relationship with God. So that we can have a future. Again, God's not trying to take. Listen, God isn't interested in your perfect church attendance. God isn't interested in how much money you can give the church or what you can do for missions. God isn't interested in your perfection or how you can perfectly walk this thing out. Number one, it's already been done. And number two, you were born into a sinful nature. So you're already jacked up from the very beginning, right? There's no way we can do that. But he just wants relationship. I love Revelation 3. Gives us an image of the Father. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice, how do we hear his voice? Through his word. That's why we're reading it tonight. And we'll open the door to his heart, to his life. I'll come in and I'll eat with them. I'll have relationship with him. So, Bob Barker kind of is right. The price is right. He did pay the price for our sins. And here's the real question. Are you going to sit in your lazy lazy boy recliner and just watch it happen? Or are you going to come on down? Are are you going to give your life to Christ? Or are you just going to step back and go, Because ultimately, that's a private decision. It's not my decision. You don't respond to me. I don't get like a commission check from heaven, you know, in the fourth quarter for a number of people that give their life to Christ. I don't work on commission that way. I just one beggar tell another beggar where to find food. But there is a price. And Jesus Christ paid it. Because God just wants to have a relationship with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?